welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. We're talking about the life of Peter and uh, there's this amazing passage in Luke chapter 5 from verse 1 to 11. So if you've got a Bible, you can look at that. This records the call of Peter right at the beginning. But I'm not going to read it because I'm actually going to show you a clip from the Chosen series and you may be familiar with this fantastic um, uh, series uh, acting out the um, early parts of Jesus' ministry. And so let's watch this. Thank you. Put that down for a catch. A little farther out. I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. We've been doing this all night. Nothing. All right. That's your word. My brother 
and the baptizer. You are the Lamb of God, yes? I am. Depart from me. I am a sinful man. You don't know who I am and the things I've done. Don't be afraid, Simon. I'm sorry. We, we've waited for you for so long. We believe, but my faith, how sorry. Lift up your head, fisherman. What do you want from me? Anything you ask, I will do. Follow me. as well. Yes, you, James and John, come, follow me. I'll take the fish into market and settle up Simon's death. I'll get some help to fill both of these boats. Are you sure? Yes, go. What will you tell Ima? <laughs> We've just been called by the man we prayed for our entire lives. And you ask me, what will I say when you miss supper? <laughs> go, now. Hey, it's Dallas and the creator of The Chosen, and yes, season. Praise the Lord. The guy that just came up there, Dallas Willard, he's the director, the producer, the, the creative mind behind that whole series. And you may know that you can watch that for free via the app or on YouTube, uh, but you can then give donations that help fund the next series. So um, I hope you, you were touched by that. I find it uh, really well uh, acted and, and directed and... Um, and it just captured, uh, of course, that whole scene that, as I said, you read about in the Gospels, Luke chapter 5 particularly. And, um, and of course, you know, James and John, Peter's uh, partners in the fishing business. Andrew was there, Peter's uh, brother who'd already told him about the Lord. And then, of course, that's James and John's uh, father, Zebedee, saying, go, guys, it's okay. Um, we've been waiting for the Messiah and here he is. I'm privileged to send my sons to go and be his disciples. Isn't that awesome? Um, and, uh, and I love that because, it, you know, it also captured Peter's attitude. You know, the fact that uh, when Jesus says, come on, put your nets out, uh, Peter, on one hand, he wants to kind of comply. He wants to be respectful. He's heard enough that maybe this Jesus is really... The Messiah is certainly someone special that others respect. But on the other hand, he's, he's the fisherman. He's proud. He's the one who knows the stuff. Don't tell me how to do my job. And so I love that captures that little moment where, you know, he and Jesus have this uh, interaction. And, um, and that's really uh, cool because right from the start, uh, Jesus was working on Peter's character. You know, this strength of character, but mixed with that, the sort of the self-made man, the pride, the ego. And uh, as we've been following in the teaching series on this subject of Peter, we see the, the development of his character, which really is the foundation of all Christian ministry. 
um, for Peter, for ourselves, you know, just as uh, we see in Peter's life, God gives us opportunities uh, to have our character to grow, to form Jesus inside us so that the main focus of our life and our ministry is not um, accomplishments or, or performance, but just on becoming more Christ-like, just uh, growing, changing on the inside and, and reflecting Jesus, hopefully, more and more to the world around us. And so that's what we've been seeing in our study of Peter's life, from the call that we started some weeks ago, uh, that moment there. Um, we looked at his uh, training. We looked at Peter's relationships and teamwork and the iron, sharpening iron of getting along with other people. And then last week, uh, Ruth looked at, the, uh, at Peter's fall, his denial of Jesus and his restoration. You know, just think about that for a moment. When he denied Jesus, how devastated he must have been because ah, he realised he had publicly rejected the one that he had really wanted to hold on to, that he had proclaimed he would never reject. And here he is realising his sin. And not only that, before he can apologise, Jesus is gone. He's crucified. He's been taken away. Uh, and so here's the hope of the world, the Messiah, the Lord that Peter wants to follow and devote his life to, and he's ruined it. He's broken the relationship. Jesus has died. And John's gospel records at that moment, Peter simply saying, I'm going fishing. Oh, he would have just felt, okay, uh, what can I do but just go back to what I know, what I did before Jesus. And he would have been despairing, depressed, downcast, wondering what was all that about? How did all that go wrong? How did I go so wrong? And, uh, and, and, you know, what have I done? But, praise the Lord, they say God is the God of the second chance. And Ruth talked about this last week as well, how Jesus rose from the dead and with that resurrection came renewed hope for Peter because Jesus made a point of reaching out to Peter of forgiving him, of encouraging him, of affirming his love for him and of challenging Peter to rise to the occasion for the future role of leadership that he had for him in spite of Peter's failings, in spite of his denial of Christ and his character flaws, which as we've noted throughout this is so encouraging for us. Isn't that just one of the, the clear messages when you read and study the life of Peter that you think, wow, if God can use him with all these ups and downs, there's got to be hope for the rest of us. And there is. And so, uh, you know, God uh, was making it clear that he, he wasn't finished with Peter, that he would still have this very important role in God's plans and purposes. And so today I want to look at Peter's ministry. Because now Jesus has gone back up to heaven, Peter and the other disciples are going to have to step up to the role that God had for them. And, uh, and of course now they had the opportunity, all the time that Peter and the others had spent with Jesus was now going to pay off. All the downloads of wisdom, all the miracles that they had witnessed, all the, the private times. And uh, again, that series really captures some of those really well. The stuff that... As I said before, they've taken some poetic license. They've extrapolated some things. Uh, it's not just recording what we know in Scripture, uh, but that's okay because there was a whole lot more living that was going on that we can imagine uh, and the 
producers of that program have done so. Um, and so Peter would have had a lot of that time with Jesus and now he was, uh, he was having this moment where he's going to have to step up to, to fulfil the role that God had for him. And in fact, it tells us in the book of Acts, chapter 1, that Peter stood up among the others at that time. And he's the one that called for and organised a replacement for Judas to be the next one in the 12 disciples. Uh, so he was raring to go, but first he had to wait. Huh. Because Jesus had said, don't do anything, stay in Jerusalem until I send the Holy Spirit. And that was going to come and then they were going to be filled with the Spirit of God, the power of God, so they could birth the church, change the world. But isn't that how God works sometimes? That um, there's the call, there's the promise, and then there's the wait. You know, there's the great promise, but there's a time delay before we see that promise fulfilled. There's a dream, and sometimes there's a long period of time before we see that dream become a reality. Uh, but, of course, that day did come. Wasn't too long. Interestingly, that it says suddenly, and uh, I've heard preachers say it takes a long time for God to do something suddenly. So there's this strange kind of time creation that we're in, where sometimes we wish things went faster, and sometimes we wish things had slowed down a bit, and we just have to live with it. And uh, and so the day of Pentecost comes. Suddenly, the Spirit of God comes. Things really start happening, and so we're going to take a a quick survey of the wild ride that is the first few chapters of the book of Acts. Uh, as you may know, chapter 2, you read about all the believers, Jesus has gone to heaven, and they're meeting together. They gather continually uh, in what they call the upper room, and they pray there. But then one day, uh, although some traditions people have thought, oh, it must have happened while they were in the upper room, but when you read the Bible carefully, you realise they can't have been there because it was a public place. So they were probably in an outer court uh, near the temple where they also met and the Holy Spirit comes and it says that there was this sound like a wild noisy rushing wind so all these people came to hear what was going on hence the uh, supposition that it's a public place and so people came and when they got there they found that all the believers were wildly worshipping God speaking in tongues either common tongues to other languages but uncommon to them or heavenly languages uh, that people didn't understand and they were prophesying. So when the Holy Spirit moves in a strong, powerful way, things can look a little crazy. And some people looked on and said, ha, it's morning time and they're drunk. What a disgrace. Not the first or the last time people have said that about the church. People are very quick to go, what a disgrace, just because they don't understand it. It's easy to criticise it. And, uh, you know, sadly, you see some uh, well-known churches like Hillsong, Coppet and others. And not always for enough right reason, just because there's an antichrist spirit in the world that people often don't even realise what they're doing. They're just banging on against the church. Oh, they only want your money. Or and there's sort of a real suspicion or even antagonism and anger towards the church. People don't understand because there's a spirit it's wanting to get a hold of them and, and hate God, hate his church. And, um, and so that's right, right there, right at the beginning. And of course, not for the last time, Peter stands up, the first of many moments when he is going to stand up 
on behalf of the others and speak up. And that he does. He speaks and uh, explains what's going on, uses the Old Testament scriptures and, and then preaches Jesus with such power and conviction that people say, it says that they were uh, cut to the heart and cried out, what should we do? Peter says, I'll tell you exactly what you should do. You should repent. And 3,000 people were born again. The first sermon of the church. Isn't that awesome? And they joined the church, became part of the church. So then we read on. And as you read those few chapters, the first few chapters in Acts, it's all about Peter. Often with John accompanying him, but Peter usually doing all the talking. And he's really taking the lead in the ministry of the early church. And every chapter reveals another aspect of Peter's developing leadership and ministry and anointing and the fulfilment of his calling. Because in chapter 3, you may know that passage. You can look at it later or have a quick squeeze now if you like. But that's where uh, Peter and John go up to the temple and uh, there's a lame man begging And Peter says these famous words. He says, look at us. And then he says, we don't have any money, but what I have got, I'll give to you right now. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And the guy just goes, what? And he is healed and he can walk. And the astonished crowd look on. And then they also get to hear Peter preach another sermon. And he preaches Jesus. And uh, he's, you know, strong in his conviction. He's preaching again. But of course, that just gets him into hot water. So in the next chapter, chapter 4, Peter and John are hauled before the Jewish court. And the Jewish leaders are very challenged and concerned. This talk of Jesus, the guy they crucified, they don't want to hear any more about him. They find him a threat. They don't like the talk that some people think he's the Messiah because he didn't come the way they wanted him to come and they didn't believe he was. They rejected him. And... Um, So they basically tell Peter and John to stop preaching about Jesus. And uh, they've got a lot of weight behind them. Uh, The opportunity to throw people in jail, which they do to Peter and John. So you'd think perhaps Peter and John would say, okay, sorry, you know, keep it to ourselves. Oh no, Peter says, we're not going to stop. He says, says, "Um, we're going to keep speaking about what we've witnessed, what we know, what we've seen. He can't stop us. So there he goes. Peter is growing all the time with strength. That, that natural personality that got to be a strong person but harnessed by the call of God, the work of the Holy Spirit, the character of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And isn't that how God works for us all? You don't have to change your personality when you follow Jesus. You'll always be who God made you. But the rough edges over time can hopefully just get polished down a little. And so what was the weak side of your strength, because every strength you know, has a weakness, can just be burnished and polished and touched up a little and softened. And so you can get along with people and you can be used by God without people being you know, too put off by the ugly traits of your personality, which is very much Peter's story. And so then we see in the next chapter, Peter steps up again. And this is a wild story in chapter 5. You know, people have been bringing offerings to the church. 
which is great. Um, and, uh, and one couple, Ananias and Sapphira, you don't hear a lot of people calling their kids Ananias or Sapphira, like Nebuchadnezzar or Jezebel, uh, just some of those Bible names that you know people don't tend to use a lot. Um, well, they sold a property. And, uh, and they bring money to the apostles. And they claim that the money they bring is the full proceeds of the sale of the property. But Peter gets a word of knowledge from God, from the Holy Spirit. And he knows that's not true. He knows, without any other evidence except the Holy Spirit telling him that they're lying, that the proceeds of the property are not all there as an offering which isn't a problem in itself, but they're lying about it and saying, yeah, that's the full amount. And they kept some to themselves. And so we read about this. He uh, calls Ananias out on this in uh, Acts chapter 5, verse 3. And uh, it might come up on the screen for you. I'll read this. Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. No precondition. And great fear seized all who had heard what had happened. Then some young men... Yang, that's the short Greek version for young men, excuse me. Young men came forward, wrapped up his body and carried, it, carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of God? Listen. The feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she also fell down at his feet and died. The young men came in, finding her dead, carried her out, buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about those events. All right, 60 minutes. What are you going to do with that? That is just mental, isn't it? I mean, he didn't say, naughty, naughty, Ananias. You know, really, you shouldn't have done that. And, and the church council have decided that you can't have communion this week. Or, you know, you're, we're, we're very upset. But God's gracious, so, ha <laughs> see you next Sunday. I don't know. He's dead. And the wife doesn't get any reprieve either. It's, it's a mental, a wild story, isn't it? You know, it's a very good reminder for us that the church is not just a club where you join uh, on your own terms, where you just rock up and lie to promote yourself as they did. It's very sobering. It's, you know, the church is a holy gathering where people come to worship and serve a holy, awesome God. And that word awesome gets overused. I mentioned that recently, but it's true heart meaning is to be in awe of someone. Fear, not in a terribly bad way, but still fear in an incredibly respectful way. And shouldn't we have that fear and awe for our awesome God? 
as they certainly did after that. And Peter's leadership is, of course, a key part of this because he's the one that's getting the word of God. And you can imagine he's thinking, really, God? Is this, is this really the best church growth strategy? You know, like, you sure? Is this how we're playing this? You know, but he's following the conviction, leading the Holy Spirit, and he leads strongly. He's got spiritual awareness that's clear and, and, and it's clearly evident that the anointing of the Holy Spirit is on him. In fact, it's so strong. When you read later in that chapter, um, in verse 15, maybe you've got that verse there, Acts 5.15, it says, People brought the sick into the streets, laid them on beds and mats, so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Wow. So, you know, Peter's in the zone. And then a few chapters later, in chapter 10, you read that Peter gets this vision that is a turning point in history because God shows Peter that the gospel is not just for the Jews but for the Gentiles, for the whole world. And Peter's the one that gets that vision. But then something strange happens. When you're reading the book of Acts, something shifts. We suddenly stop reading about Peter and we start reading about others, one man in particular. So Peter's name appears 70 times in the book of Acts. 69 times it appears in the first 12 chapters. One more time Peter is mentioned in Acts 15, which is the Council of Jerusalem. So that's when the elders of the church decided how and when and what they were going to do about the gospel going to the world, going beyond the Jewish people, to the Gentiles. Would we expect them to follow Jewish practices uh, and how all this was going to work? And at that point, it's clear that James, the brother of Jesus, who incidentally didn't believe in Jesus when Jesus was, <laughs> was early on in his ministry, but had come full circle, nothing like your older brother being the Messiah, you know, like, okay, James got over himself. And, uh, and so James is now the leader and the main pillar of the church. And so what happens to Peter? Like I said, we, we never read his name again in the book of Acts. We do read about a guy called Paul, who, as you may know, was Saul, the Pharisee who was condemning Christians to death and persecuting them. And then talk about a full turnaround. He gets born again dramatically, starts preaching Jesus, and then he rises to prominence, and he's the one that God uses to fulfill the vision that Peter had. So Paul ends up starting to take these missionary journeys and taking the gospel all to the known world governed by the Romans all around the Mediterranean at that time. And so um, Paul's name, incidentally, is Paul. So Peter appears 70 times. There's only one other person that whose name appears more in the book of Acts, and that's Paul. And his name appears 174 times, I think it is. I wrote it down but can't find it. 174 times. So, you know, Paul obviously becomes the main uh, character featured in the book of Acts. And Peter, well, he just recedes from view, which is perhaps the most important lesson we can learn from Peter that no matter how large a personality you are, how, you know, larger than life, be, what do they say, you know, a, a, no matter how gifted, what a, a, a larger than life character, just like Peter, doesn't matter who you are, it's not about you. It wasn't about Peter. It's not about me. me. It, 
it's all about Jesus. It was always about Jesus and Peter had come to that place because he had had the, the ego stuffing knocked out of him earlier on so that in order to be used by God so powerfully, Peter now wasn't thinking of himself anymore. He wasn't putting himself forward. He wasn't worried about preeminence and who's going to lead and who's going to be in charge and who's going to get the accolades. He wasn't rebuking Jesus anymore like he had. He was now submitting to Jesus. And, uh, and we know this because even though we don't get to read in the book of Acts about Peter, we actually have letters that Peter wrote later to the churches that are now part of our Bible because they were written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And when we read those letters, which Ruth will talk about more, uh, we see his attitude, his heart coming through, a heart that was really happy to let others like Paul take the limelight and just fade away without any fuss. He did, of course, keep following and serving the Lord Jesus. And again, more on that next week as Ruth wraps up this series. We just don't hear about it. And isn't that a good lesson to learn? Because most Christian ministry isn't told. People don't get to hear about it. Most of the stuff that you and I do for the Lord and who we are in God, it doesn't matter that people don't hear about it. They don't hear about it. They don't know about it. All the prayers that you pray and the, the sacrifices that we make and the, 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 the pursuit of holiness and the, 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 the pursuit of the call of God and the challenges and the persecution sometimes and the, the wrestling with the enemy and the, the, the character changes that are in our heart and in our mind and all the longing to serve God and, and all that stuff that goes on. We want to glorify him and, and no one sees that except the only person that does matter who sees it all and that's the Lord himself. And, uh, and, and even when people do see what you do for God, it may, it may not be all the time. There are seasons and Peter, of course, exemplifies that because he was very prominent and then suddenly not so prominent at all but he still served the Lord he still followed him it just wasn't important Peter realized and God realizes and God's showing us through the way you read the book of Acts that Peter's he's a kingdom man he's just serving the Lord he doesn't have to need everyone to find out about it you know um, and so he's humble he surrendered to God. And there is just a few other things that Peter's ministry we can learn from. Uh, he was a man of God's word. We know that's evident in the scripture references, in his preaching, in the sermons that are recorded. Um, so we should be people of the word of God. He was a man of authenticity. In other words, he preached about what he knew. It wasn't theory. It was what he knew personally. He was talking about his personal experience and encounters with God and of course we should be witnesses to the world about what we know what God's done in our life what God is doing in our life today and of course Peter was a man of the Holy Spirit from the day of Pentecost he's filled with the Spirit and he was empowered by the Spirit and he was also led by the Spirit as the Holy Spirit revealed things to him as he grew with fruit and character qualities that reflected Jesus and of course we need to do the same um because really today, more than ever, the world needs people who will emulate the characteristics that Peter displayed. 
not in his early life, but certainly later on, with all the chaos, all the confusion that's going on today, people need to hear a clear call to consider Christ. They need to hear a message of hope. They don't need Christians who just blend into the world, but who stand up just like Peter did. People don't need to hear, I tell you what, people don't need to hear Christians having a go at the government on social media or stirring up fear or anger against some group that doesn't agree with you. They want to hear a message of hope. That's what Peter ended up preaching. Let me just finish with this one thought. If I extrapolate that thought, just think about Peter, if he was here today, what his social media accounts would look like. <laughs> because early on, you know, his, his Facebook account, well, they might have shut him down a few times because uh, it would make for some very interesting reading or scrolling uh, because, and just note to young people, uh, you know, watch what you put up on social media because you never know down the track when you're going for a job interview, who's going to look at that? And you're going to go, oh, and that might be the difference between getting the job or not, depending on what you put up there. Because um, for Peter, before meeting Jesus, you can guarantee he was ranting against the Roman government, the oppression. He would use expletives that would be censored. We know he was a swearer because when he denied Jesus, that night the old Peter came out under pressure and said he cursed, he swore. You know, and so he had had that kind of attitude and they all hated the Romans and again that series that Chosen captures that. So his Facebook account would have been very interesting. Um, but his posts would have changed after meeting Jesus. Aha. It, firstly, there would have been a notice up there in the marketplace section or on Gumtree saying, fishing business available. <laughs> Take over now. Owners leaving straight away, leaving it all behind, going cheap. And then Peter would be proclaiming Jesus. He's probably advertising Jesus. Going, you know, where are we going? He was probably trying to sell tickets. I can just imagine by the campfire, Jesus scrolling one night going, Peter, what is going? Are you trying to sell tickets to where I'm going to? But Lord, it's a good way of it. Stop it. You know, and so he probably had a, a few moments like that. Uh, then, of course, the night of the crucifixion, Peter would have shut his account down. He would have just thought, I'm off, I'm out of this, I'm, just, I'm retreating, I'm going off to the hills, I'm going fishing. That's what he said. But then only a few days later, <laughs> he'd be back up. I'm back. I've resurrected my account. Ba-boom. You know, he's probably making, he's got a selfie of him and Jesus. Yeah, look who's back. And so he would, and from that point on then, you can guarantee his posts would have had a particular tone not anti-government, not ranting about this issue or that trivial problem in the world. He would have been promoting Jesus. He would have had a message of hope. He would have been shining light. And, uh, and I believe we should do the same. And I'm not just talking about social media. More importantly, in our real life, not our virtual life. And so we can learn from Peter that humility uh, that surrendered before Jesus, that, that basically said, as Jesus had told Lose your life in order to find it. And we see that was the key to his ministry, that Peter diminished in his, his, his uh, natural ego-driven pursuits so that he could follow the Lord's pursuits, the Lord's plans. And I pray that we can all do the same. Lose our life and then we'll find it just as Peter did. Amen? Let me pray. In Jesus' name, I pray the blessing of God over everyone who's watching and listening. 
I pray that we would learn from Peter that no matter what our issues are, God, you can forgive us. You're the God of the second chance. Even if we've walked away from you, rebuked you, done the wrong thing, just like Peter, you're compassionate, you're gracious, you're forgiving, you reach out with love, and we thank you for that. We embrace your love. Come on, you make sure that you know God loves you today and walk in that that love and then follow God's call to the ministry that he has for you. I pray that each one of us would find and follow the will of God for our lives, that we would follow your leading and that like Peter did, we would shine your light and preach you, Jesus, clearly to the world around us in our own way, through our own personalities that you've given us. Thank you, Lord, all the different colours and flavours of people's personalities. And just like Peter, it doesn't matter who we are and how we're made up, you'll use us for your glory. Touch every heart, every life. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Cheese.